welcome to this episode of Let's Talk About by Kangaroo Minds. I am Vedika and today we have with us Dr. Harsha Agarwal. Dr. Harsha is the head of the Psycho-Oncology Department at the Rajiv Gandhi Cancer Institute and Research Center. She collaborates with multidisciplinary teams to work with both patients and caregivers towards their mindset in terms of acceptance of disease and going ahead with the prescribed treatment. She has been actively leading patient as well as caregiver counseling, both in pre and post operational cases, chemotherapy, radiation, pain and palliative care, as well as bereavement sessions for families. She and her team interact with both patients and caregivers to help them gain insight, define goals and plan action in order to achieve desired outcomes. Dr. Harsha also has an active interest in research and has had several pieces of publications in both international as well as national journals, and she is also on the peer review board for the DRDO. Our conversation with Dr. Harsha today is going to center around coping with the diagnosis of cancer, especially from the perspective of patients and survivors. However, before we begin our conversation, I would like to put out a trigger warning for our audiences. If at any point during this conversation, should you find yourself feeling triggered or distressed, we urge you to take a step back and look after yourself. Should you need any additional support resources, you can also find them on our website. And now, without taking up much time, let's hear more from Dr. Harsha. Dr. Harsha, welcome to the episode. It's really lovely to have you with us today. Thank you so much, Vedika, for the opportunity to interact and enlighten the people more about this uh, stigmatized field. No, no, thank you so much because I know that, you know, the, the work that you're doing is something which not too many people are even aware about. So before we get into, you know, more um, discussions around cancer and cancer care, I would ask you if you could, you know, just tell our, for our audiences that, you know, what is psycho-oncology and what is the role of a psycho-oncologist, especially in terms of cancer care? Sure, Vedika. So basically, when we talk about psycho-oncology, it is about the psychological perspectives of a patient who's undergoing a cancer treatment right so oncology is basically cancer and psycho is psychological issues of a cancer patient in together they uh, when we club them it becomes psycho oncology right so can you throw uh, a little bit of more light in terms of you know the role that a psycho oncologist plays Right. So when we talk about the role of psycho-oncologist, it is all about taking care of the psychological issues of not only patients, but also of the caregivers, mm -hmm. aligning them the aligning them both, basically patients and caregivers with the treatment, with the diagnosis, uh, the way they go forward in the treatment. At times, patients do uh, try to withhold with the treatment they don't feel comfortable in going ahead with the treatment or there are n number of issues which comes around as a part and parcel right with the treatment and the uh, disease because there are a lot of myths attached to this disease called cancer right the basic uh, myth attached is disease equals to this disease is equals to death right right so in these terms breaking the myth and making them align with the treatment, right? Not only patients, but with the caregivers as well. And bridging of the gap between them and their clinician is the major role of a psycho-oncologist. Right. So, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, even when I was introducing you, and I know we've spoken before, and as part of your role, you focus mm. a lot on also helping patients at the time of diagnosis. So in yes. Experience, you know, what is that psychological impact, especially on a patient when they receive a diagnosis of cancer? So it is, uh, Vedika, I would say it is not only about cancer, mm -hmm. but also whenever we are diagnosed with any chronic disease, right? The impact is more or less same, but because there is a myth attached to this disease, that disease is equals to cancer, uh, disease which is cancer is equals to death, right? So there is more stigma and there's a more fear attached to it, which brings in uh, with a friction of second, you can actually get into depression or you will have panic. Oh my God, what I have I gone through? 
वट हैव आई डन मतलब इज इट अ रिजल्ट ऑफ माई कर्मा और आई हैव नॉट डन एनी थिंग ड्यू टू विच आई हैव टू सफर दिस नॉन इन द जनरेशन ऑफ माई फैमिली एवर हैड इट वाई डू आई हैव इट सो देर आर लॉर्ड ऑफ थिंग्स the denial happens uh, with a breaking of the news depression happens anxiety attacks happen so at that time when it is uh, given the news has been given through the right channel in the right manner it plays a vital role right you know i'm going to ask you like you know you touched upon a very important point there which is you know the news being given in the right manner mm. so you know how do you think we should you know go about informing patients because you know sometimes there is this belief that you know when it comes to elderly patients in particular mm-hmm. that maybe it's best not to tell them what's wrong with them mm-hmm. so you know what are your thoughts on that aspect uh see i hold a little bit of different thought process mm-hmm. right it is not always that we should hold the news back right but if the patient is willing to know and if the patient really wants to go for it right if they really want to survive breaking of the news is really important thing because with cancer treatment it is not only medicines which work it is a equal role of a patient in the treatment right, right. so if in a treatment when a patient has to play almost equal role just like a clinician then if the patient is aware about whatever he or she has to go through it becomes very clear to them in what manner they have to perform otherwise whenever we are going for the treatment so the basic thing which happens vedika is uh, we take our elderly or we take our youngsters to for the treatment and we don't let them know that they are going through the treatment for cancer Hmm. we tell them that there is some infection in your body and uh, with some doses which will be given through iv you'll get over hmm. but with that infection stuff we forget that there is one uh, thought process in our brain feed it since our childhood whenever we get any medication we will feel better right but because of the chemotherapy drugs let's say hmm. there are number of side effects which will happen for sure right. right and to curve them we have to put in effort it is not only medicine which can result in everything hmm. there is an equal effort effect of awareness of putting your own effort into it uh, maintaining your good hygiene maintaining your own uh, let's say nutritional levels and also uh, how active you are right plays a vital role so bringing the awareness to them maybe uh, let's say let's suppose the scenario for the elderly would be let's say metastatic condition we may not tell them metastatic but we need to tell them that they are suffering with the condition for which they have to undergo a treatment which will have number of side effects too right right if you tell us at the right time you can also curb them and help your treatment to get better right right maybe in this manner we can start with and slowly and gradually post they have gone through let's say one cycle or two cycles of chemotherapy when there is now no fear of any medicines or hospitals hmm. right we can actually let them know what they are going through right because i think that also comes down to the whole aspect around you know consent and keeping them motivated throughout their treatment right because right as they say that the individual themselves is you know just as important as much as you know the caregivers want to get them treated is i think is mm-hmm. important that you know the individual themselves has that buy in because as you said after all it's their body that's going to go through the you know the physical mm-hmm. impact of um, the chemo or the surgery or the radiation or whatever the option might be for treatment hmm. so you know how do you think we can work around you know keeping a patient sort of motivated after they especially know that you know they have um, cancer okay so uh, for this uh, i would like to start with i have invented one new thing for cancer right people relate cancer to death yeah i have created one thing uh 
I have used cancer as a let's say a mnemonic. Hmm. Cancer using is equals to cancer can be cured with effective and efficient treatment given on time. Hmm. Right. So that means if you take treatment, if you have received treatment, effective and efficient treatment, that is right treatment, post the right diagnosis. If you receive right treatment on time, you can for sure control it. Mm -hmm. Cure becomes next part, right? It is not always that we have to focus on cure. So whenever you talk to a patient, whenever I talk to a patient, let's say, the first question is that, this will be fine, right? My answer to them is, do we have to be fine with what we are now? Do we have to be fine with हम एक दिन में दो दिन में हो जाएंगे क्या किसी भी चीज से हम ठीक हो सकते हैं नहीं बट बेहतर होना शुड बी अ गोल सो अ गोल शुड बी टू गेट बेटर राइट फ्रॉम व्हाट एवर कंडीशन वी आर इन करंटली राइट सो व्हेन यू ब्रेक द गोल अल्टीमेट गोल इनटू डिफरेंट गोल्स स्मॉल गोल्स राइट एंड लेट देम मेक इट फॉर देमसेल्फ then they are motivated enough to take every step. Else, everybody wants to jump from ground floor to second floor directly. But no one can. Right. So, in that manner, we can for sure motivate them. And I have been motivating them in this manner. Right. You know, I think that's a very interesting mnemonic that you've come up with. because, And also the analogy that, you know, why just, you know, look at being okay, but why not looking at being better or... And, you know, better is subjective for each individual, right? It's better than what they came in as. Mm. But, you know, in all your experiences, you know, with working with cancer patients and survivors, what have you seen, you know, and what are some of their common thoughts and worries that they have, especially, you know, maybe post-diagnosis, but, you know, in terms of treatment as well? Uh, okay. So the first uh, worry which they have is, one, is it Second, Third, is they talk about whether um, am I infecting others, mm-hmm. right? Am I safe being around family members, let's say uh, my kids, right? Then what about the finances? How much will it cost me to take treatment? Mm-hmm. Right? And also they worry about that if they are going to take treatment, is it going to be successful? Right. Because there are so many myths attached to the treatment. For example, there is a very common myth about getting a biopsy or a, or even a FNAC done. If we touch the tumor, it will get spread out. It will be spreaded in the body. Right? So, there are a few things which happen. So, just the lack of awareness, it is there. So, they have these pre-made uh, thought processes. Maybe, let's say, due to society we have or we are living in. Right? So, these are few things which they first talk about. Right. And I think a lot of it also, you know, probably to act what you say, will also come from the internet, right? Especially for a younger generation who has consumed so much media, either mm-hmm. you know, on the internet or even from TV, that there are so many misconceptions around, um, you know, what cancer and what cancer care actually looks like. A lot. I would say, see, in psychological terms, we call this as a cyberchondriasis, mm-hmm. right? So, which means that uh, health anxiety, too much of health anxiety generated due to over-searching on, uh, let's say, internet, right? Right. So, yes, it is very common, very, very, very common. Uh, What we do, uh, let's say a patient is going to undergo chemotherapy or a treatment plan which has been selected by the clinician is that the patient must go chemotherapy, then surgery, and then chemotherapy. It is just an example which I'm taking. So what the patient will search is chemotherapy 
and in the list of chemotherapy there will be let's say 40 side effects and only four effects patient do not focus on the effects they more focus on 40 side effects and let's say they start ticking them clicking them that okay this has happened now this will happen now this will happen now this will happen if 30 has happened to them but 10 has not so they don't think that they are lucky enough not to have another 10 but they'll assume they'll trigger it in their brain stimulate their brain to let those 10 also happen to them right so that happen and that do not only happen with the in the younger chap it is happening in the middle age people it is happening in the old age people also it is happening way too much in every generation and i think you know as you said that this is something which is so widely spoken about that you know even if you know you've not been through it you will know somebody who has had cancer so you know you just mm. sort of think ki you know especially let's say the elderly who may not mm. be accessing internet they will be like you know but this so mm. you know even i'm going to have yeah. similar side true, effect true true pick up on that it's about who's of who will talk about you about your condition with the confidence even a clinician won't do mm. honestly trust me for that Right. and with the confidence they ha- they'll talk about your condition whether they know about it or not to break your confidence right right so if you are listening to anything trust me for this and it is for all the viewers if you guys are listening to anything regarding your treatment or regarding your own things first get it clear with your clinician whether it is valid on you or not because many times it is not even valid on you right they're just talking very vaguely right just like a uh, one very common example which i use for people who ask me this is uh, okay let's talk about two identical twins do they have similar likes and dislikes no if a monozygotic twins who are identical they do not have same likes and dislikes then how can two different people even having same diagnosis can act in a similar manner to something which is given being given to them mm-hmm. so we should not compare ourselves right you know i think um, you touched upon how you know the mind sort of plays up um, and that was something i was going to come to but you know in terms of the whole mind body connection we talk about mm-hmm. it a lot in psychology and mental health especially How do you see that play out in cancer treatment? A lot. Trust me, eighty percent, more than eighty percent, I would say. So right. it's basically psycho neuroimmunology, right? Uh, so in easy term, if I use psychosomatic symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. So when we talk about psychosomatic symptoms, it means that you are triggering to your brain or you are stimulating your brain to produce certain effects in your body. which organically won't be visible so for example a patient is constantly complaining about pains aches uh, nausea right uh, not been able to eat anything and constantly uh, let's say is puking but there is no when we let them test it when we go for uh, ultrasound scans x rays or even endo uh, endo uh, sorry even endoscopy hmm. right we don't find anything right. why because though there is no organic cause it is all being generated through our brain in our body we do feel it but they do not actually exist mm-hmm. in the similar manner just like i said in the earlier example with the chemotherapy and the side effects it happens so whatever we tell to our brain the brain triggers it in the body because uh, these are basically neurochemicals released through the nervous system right travels from the cranial to spinal things right and the body responds accordingly right right so it could be pain you can actually feel the severest of pain which will not even be relieved by really good amount of painkillers mm-hmm. but with a simple relaxation technique you can sort it out 
basically such things usually happen with people who feel that they are not being attended well mm. right there is something which they want to express but they can't express they feel things are being hidden from them right people are not very clear with them they are not letting them know what exactly the things are so they start creating it in their own self right once they create it in the brain you can see the results in the uh, complaints in form of complaints by them and i think you know when they go through the psychosomaticization of symptoms mm-hmm. which you know might be real and but they cannot be backed up by any diagnosis you know as mm-hmm. you said you do an ultrasound up you know you do a ct you do a whole range of blood tests but you only have to mm-hmm. diagnose something I think oftentimes they don't realize that that's going to put them in even more agony, you know, going through more tests, going through, you know, just more pain, more hospitalizations, all of that. True. As well, you know. The point is, uh, there are few clinicians who understand that it is a psychosomatic thing, right? But at after certain point of time, when uh you go through n number of tests n number of scans right but till you don't find any right mm-hmm. they have to be referred to a psychologist or a psychiatrist right. but the agony here is the patient do not want to visit a psychologist or a psychiatrist with the stigma attached to the field that am i mad i'm just on a treatment of something why do you feel i don't have that pain Hmm. we understand that you are suffering it is pain but it is not a physical pain it's a psychological pain right unfortunately patients themselves do not understand that it is not physical but a psychological pain that is a bad thing about it and i think that's also part of you know as we said the stigma and it's not just the patients it's also caregivers it's also families you know which and also just the lack of awareness even amongst clinicians that there are psycho oncologists you know who specialize in cancer care and you know mental health around cancer care but that stigma you just feel ki you know i don't need this i don't need this extra service of having a psycho oncologist also you know we're seeing so many doctors mm-hmm. i don't need one more doctor true true so it is a uh... honestly i am blessed to be working with rajiv gandhi here people understand the need right mm-hmm. but yes i have seen it that uh, there is a lack of awareness in clinicians there is and there is more than lack of awareness there is lack of acceptance in patients and caregivers right because of lack of acceptance right even if they are aware even if the clinicians are referring them they don't want to visit hmm they just it is not also about vedika that uh, we are going through a treatment or clinician is asking us to visit it is all about whether i accept it hmm. that i have it no it is they are ready to pay any number of amount for anything for any scans but they are not even ready to take a free counseling session trust me for that even a counselor who visits them hmm they feel why are you here we haven't called you for hmm right but once they we start talking to them right they understand the need hmm. they understand that as much as the physical health is important their own mental health plays a equal role in their treatment absolutely and you know just stemming from that um you know can you throw a little bit of more light on you know the mental health implications of cancer you know ranging at the various stages so if you want to look at you know diagnosis treatment survival remission mm-hmm. and then you know getting into sort of palliative care so uh, i would say there are a lot of mental health issues right so as i've told you already when we are diagnosed right uh even i would say pre diagnosis there are a lot of mental health issues for example uh, fear related to the spread of tumor mm-hmm. right even if they get, uh, touch it through biopsy or through xc so biopsies are also of many kind right fnac is also kind of a biopsy test right uh, then we have a 
proper biopsy then we have excisional biopsy where we are taking out the tumor and then we are sending it for histopathology but they don't understand that it is a dead tissue right so nobody touches it they just take a sample even if we are taking the biopsy fnac we are just taking the sample of fluids right so the proper knowledge lack of knowledge creates too much of panic or anxiety and obviously a lot of things rolling in this society as a ball we just keep giving it uh, and passing it as a parcel to everybody despite we know them or not right, right? we don't talk good but we do talk bad mm. right so the bad is rolled out more mm. freely right so one is that second is that uh, obviously anxiety related to if cancer then what that's nothing is left my life is over right uh, i after diagnosing with cancer a patient himself or herself would like to be isolated okay. right they don't want to be attended or they don't want any other to be surrounded by them even if people are putting in effort to make them feel good they feel that the people are making fun of them why because now their life span is shortened Hmm. right then there uh, this was about diagnosis before starting a treatment even if it is a surgery chemo or radiation any kind of treatment right they have a fear of uh, whether i should go for it or not first if i'm going for it whether it is going to be successful or not okay if it has got successful then will i get it back or not the fear of recurrence is way too high right right then another point in treatment is whether my treatment is curative or palliative hmm. now any disease which cannot be cured come into palliative diseases right even diabetes is among them but people with diabetes are happily enjoying their life on the other hand people do not want a person who is having cancer to live happily with their life it is not about clinicians it is not about patients or caregivers it is about society hmm. right so there are n number of palliative diseases but we have stigmatized one right right so whether my treatment is curative or palliative plays an important role right they feel if it is we are just trying to control the disease it is not going to get cured then what is the point of putting in money what is the point of putting in effort into it mm. i had to die i will die they don't understand if they are not taking treatment mm. then they are going to suffer like anything right you don't understand they just miss this part that go for the treatment whatever treatment is quantity or no quantity but quality of life is your right to have mm. you should at least have a good quality of life whatever quantity you are having nobody can assure or guarantee that you are going to have only 6 months or a year right even i am equally uncertain about my life as a patient any patient is right nobody can guarantee you how much life you are with but at least live your life every day why are we waiting to live our life for next one year in next one year why can't we live it every day right and then we are when we are turning into palliative let's say uh, palliative that to terminal right the major causes are now i have created a lot of debt to my family i have become a burden on them right right now what are they going to do i should not carry on with my treatment again we have already lost a lot of things now isse acha to main mar hi jaau to acha hai aur sada suffering nahi chahiye but i don't understand again even a pain management stuff even if they just have to go for home care or pain management thing mm-hmm. or a hospice thing which we say right. it is the need of the hour mm-hmm. it is not what you should not go for but you should always go for so it is really important to not to miss this pain palliation and hospice thing hmm. 
these are all related to the peace and good quality which a person deserves and it is their right to have hmm so these are the things vedika and i think you know as you also said that you know sometimes what patients don't realize is that not carrying on with treatment and sometimes mm. not cooperating you know jaise they are not going to eat or mm. don't want mm. to take their medication it's going to make it very painful you know it's not that this is going to pause your pain it's just going to make it worse true very true so the nutritional part i would say um, see with the chemotherapy it becomes that even if you feel hungry or you don't feel hungry you should make nutritional needs and you should meet your nutritional needs every day right which should be guided by a proper clinical dietitian right it, you should not know and how would you know that what is your need or not right yes. it should be guided by a clinical nutritionist right who will look at your treatment plans who will look at your own bmi your own composition of the body current composition based on that she will make a plan for you because it will keep on varying at times you will have all arranged uh, things maybe there is no derailment in your let's say cbc lft or kft uh okay so i should not be using more clinical term maybe it there is no derangement in your uh, blood markers which okay. is uh, which is very simple hemoglobin or our tlcs right which is for the white blood cells and red blood cells right there hamara liver functioning is doing good hamara kidney functioning is doing good there is no derailment or even the lipid test which is for the heart everything is within the range the nutrition which you have to take at that time even when you are on treatment with uh, let's say chemotherapy is very different then for a patient who has thyroid let's say or who has a fatty liver or who has undergone some cardiac surgery sometime mm-hmm. back let's say 10 or 12 years back for them the nutrition demands will be different right right so that should be met by a proper clinical dietitian mm-hmm. and a nutritionist right so do not go by whatever you want to eat right meet a dietitian talk to them right let them be known what are your likes and dislikes right what you want to eat ask her do's and don'ts proper mm-hmm. and take a proper diet counseling with them and regularly meet them this mm-hmm. is one very uh, normal question which i am meeting every day and num- with n number of patients i am meeting because i have been talking to them uh, for let's say more than any clinician or more than anybody right and they feel acha we can talk about diet also with them because i am guiding them that you should have despite telling them what you want to have what you should or you should not be guided by dietitian they'll ask me queries so i ask them to ask your dietitian first mm-hmm. because i am not a dietitian so i can't guide them properly but yes meeting nutritional demands of the body is very important with treatment for cancer right very very important you know um, dr harsha just moving away from this but you know how do we sort of how do we recognize and sort of help an individual with um, cancer do you know sort of cope with that fear of dying because as you said you know cancer is sort of equated to death it's one of those diseases which we immediately just think of you know almost like a death sentence mm. we don't really see much hope when you know we hear that someone's been diagnosed with cancer with cancer so how can we sort of you know cope with that or help the individual rather cope with that fear of dying so for in such situations what i usually do is let them align with the current reality first right we are foreseeing a future today right which we are not even sure of is going to happen or not mm-hmm. right i agree cancer is equated with death right or i would say was 
was is a better word why because if i'll see in nine, early 90s my 91 or 90 up to 95 maybe people were fearful about uh, cancer and its diagnosis and its treatment but now with this so much advances in the treatment right every year whatever is in the start we have a better version by the end of the year right so i align them with the current realities right align them with the line of treatment whether there is a treatment for them or not right if you let the person understand be whatever you have your disease or your condition has a treatment so you should focus more on the solution which is treatment than on the problem problem is there now you can't run away from the problem even if you are running from the problem problem is running with you so it, what the worst would be you have to after getting tired you will stop and you will accept it then why not now hmm at hmm. least see the possibilities what you can do right when you get yourself aligned with the possibilities then you start getting that hope back right okay so i have this thing which i can do which is in my hand because disease now is in not in my hand i cannot choose to delete disease from me now hmm right so i don't have any shift delete button in my life which i'll press and just get over with the disease but yes for sure i can try to find out the keys which will help me deal with the problem i i have in my hand so align them with the reality give them reality checks then uh, let them accept that even if the disease is there the treatment you will get through right let them align from the very starting with the quality instead of quantity so mm-hmm. I, i align my patients even who are on curative treatment definitive treatment which we say i align them with the better quality than the quantity i never ask any of the patient to focus more on quantity mm-hmm. why to focus more on quantity first let's start living the quality right quantity comes hand in hand right right you know when you talk about um, alignment to treatment and coming back to you know the whole media whatsapp internet um you know so many times you will have or even just suggestions you know random suggestions mm-hmm. that somebody heard read you know people will come up with suggestions like you know have you tried ayurveda have you tried homeopathy have you tried you know ye wala diet try kar lijiye you know, so you will have a lot of suggestions of this sort coming at you mm-hmm. as a patient as well and as a family so how do you sort of navigate and sort of continue having faith on the clinician rather than also trying for or you know looking at alternatives sometimes see uh, i would like to choose not to answer this though but uh, yes see uh, i am not disregarding any other pathies right whether it is naturopathy or ayurvedic or homeopathy right uh everybody who is going for anything see i suggest my patient you choose a pathy for yourself mm-hmm. right whether it is naturopathy ayurvedic homeopathy or allopathy the decision has to be yours but do not mix two things right that's right that- point i was coming to you know how do you sort of adhering to treatment also means that you know yes the patient's consent matters but how do you mm. you know stick to that line of treatment because it's very easy to get wavered in yes it is very easy hope especially in cancer care you're very tempted to jump at that hope you know that faith very is much. such a big role right we oh you know this work for somebody let's try it but as you true. said two bodies are not going to respond to the same disease in the same way absolutely vedika so what happens is i ask them not to mix two things hmm. if you want to go for ayurvedic go for it only right. if you want to go for homeopathy go for homeopathy only if you hmm. want to go for naturopathy go for that but if you want to go for allopathy go only for one thing one line of treatment at one point of time why because if you mix two you yourself won't be sure about which one is benefiting you or which is deteriorating you right 
एटलीस्ट इफ यू विल गो थ्रू वन लाइन ऑफ ट्रीटमेंट यू कैन से इट इज गुड और इट इज बैड फॉर योर सेल्फ ऑब्वियसली यू कैन जनरलाइज दैट मे बी यू आर नॉट रिस्पॉन्डिंग टू वन थिंग बट यू मे रिस्पॉन्ड टू अदर और अदर मे रिस्पॉन्ड टू सेम राइट राइट सो इट वेरीज फ्रॉम इंडिविजुअल टू इंडिविजुअल यू कैन ओनली से यू दिस सूटेड यू और दिस डज नॉट सूट यू राइट बट यू कैन जनरलाइज दैट टू राइट सो इट इज नॉट एनीबडी एल्सेस डिसीजन एंड इट शुड नॉट बी इट शुड ऑलवेज बी पेशेंट डिसीजन वट दे वॉन्ट टू गो फॉर राइट राइट सो नेवर मिक्स टू थिंग दिस इज वट आई टेल देम अडेयर टू one line of treatment at least till the time you get to a conclusion it is giving you any benefit or it is not at all benefiting you hmm. at least till that time stick to one line of treatment right that is more important right and you know dr harsha in terms of cancer care and you know cancer recovery we talk a lot about recognizing distress we use this term distress a lot in terms of you know cancer and just sort of recovery treatment as i said so how can we recognize the signs of distress and you know support someone who's dealing with it okay so uh, distress in terms of patient is different basically and mm-hmm. distress in terms of caregivers are different okay but common signs would be agitation mm-hmm. getting irritated on very small things right not eating well not having enough sleep right even if they are sleeping they do not feel rejuvenated mm. these are few common signs right mm. leading to a lot of things right mm-hmm. restlessness uh, maybe uh, comfort issues they'll start uh, their performance starts deteriorating they will be more uh, on the go kind of stuff they'll be more acting on impulses they'll be more aggressive than any time else even they themselves would be feeling they have never behaved in this manner then how can they behave in this manner how can they shout how are they behaving why are they being uh, so agitated or this actually leads to if not settled at time this leads to dejection and burnout hmm. right so these are common signs and symptoms if we are seeing them so what i do is in my patient for my patients i actually tell them you may have uh, mood swings you may feel that you are not uh, interested in talking to anybody you may feel to be isolated you may feel that uh, you don't want to be talked about or you don't want to talk to anybody right you may feel if people are laughing or if people are smiling or making Uh, or trying to make you happy you may feel that they are making fun of you right at times you may feel aggressive you may shout at the people you love and after that you will feel uh, regretful or guilty too mm-hmm. right so at any point of time you can any time say sorry to them you can any time hug them and express that you are not feeling good and it is okay not to be good right it's not that you have to be good every time even we as a psychologist we can't be good every time mm-hmm. we do feel bad it's okay to cry don't ever feel that if you're crying it's a sign of being weak hmm i say when you cry it is a sign of being that you are having good strength you are powerful you accept that you are suffering you accept that you are not feeling good this acceptance means a lot hmm hmm so it's okay to cry it's okay to feel bad it's okay to feel agitated okay. it's natural it will come you are also human if we can feel bad so can you why not in family and caregivers another point of distress is uh, for example let's talk about finances right they have to manage finances right and they don't want their patient to know about it mm-hmm. right they have to manage a lot of things at the family end at their own end at the patient's end at the clinician's end also mm-hmm. but they can't reveal everything to the patient right so they feel more burdened they feel more stressed 
and they actually have a lot of burnout hmm. because at times patients are also agitated patients are not ready to listen they are helpless on their end caregivers are helpless on their end right what happens is cumulatively both get hopeless right okay. right so the main point here comes is accept that you are suffering go and meet a counselor or a psychologist you deserve to feel good because you are getting treatment or you are letting a person you love take a treatment that doesn't make you qualify to suffer right so you are not going to get a phd in suffering instead accept your fault except that yes it is not a fault it is that it comes with a process you are going through a process and it comes hand in hand why not to get over with it right and i think you know i'm so glad that you know we were able to have this conversation because i think it also comes down to a lot of times you know we spoke about that a lot of people are not aware of you know psycho oncology and you know that you can get support but also from a clinician perspective patients have really mm-hmm. rarely asked that how are you feeling emotionally you know so much of the conversation around cancer is around acha you know what symptoms are you experiencing are you feeling nauseous you know are you having pain you're just talking mm-hmm. about physical symptoms without really addressing you know like how we spoke about the psychosomatic underpinnings which could exist to certain mm-hmm. or just the fact that this can take such a huge emotional toll on an individual not just because of the misconceptions that exist but also just that it's heavy or seeing you know as cancer they say is not just on an individual it's an entire family that sort of receives that diagnosis mm-hmm. so you're seeing your loved ones suffer true it also plays such a big role but when we talk about um, you know treatment and everything you and i recognize that you know caring for the mind is just as important as caring for the body so you know what are some ways in which the individual themselves who is diagnosed with cancer can sort of practice self care or look after their mental health so for that first they need to understand that uh, they have a big role to play mm. right it is not only clinicians who have a role right but you yourself have to play a big and important role in your own treatment right and if they involve their family into same right getting isolated or getting away from the family won't be uh, healing anyone right mm-hmm. it is disturbing for both right fortunately i am uh, working with the people who believe in holistic healing right mm-hmm. so a surgeon is also asking the patient mm-hmm. that you have to undergo this how do you feel about it mm-hmm. a medical oncologist is also asking the patient that you will be undergoing chemotherapy so they are making timely referrals to me and i am visiting every new patient Mm. a patient who is having distress or burnout or patient who is not adhering to the treatment mm. or patient who is trying to withdraw from the treatment mm. right radiation oncologist is also uh, referring patients right i am blessed to be working with fabulous clinicians but at the same time when we talk about to self assess ourselves right first accept the role you have to play so it is lying it is like for uh, 50% is clinician 50% is you right now in this 50% first take time for your own self do not consider this time period of your treatment as you are now you will be left behind from the league consider this time frame to reinvent yourself then involve into uh, let's say mindfulness activities for example a person can start with the focused breathing leads to a uh, regular practice of pranayam and regular healing practices for example body scanning right mm. relaxation techniques there are a lot of relaxation techniques which they can follow at their home also 
right hmm. instead of doing it alone do it with your loved ones so that you guys feel connected to each other right right this connection should not be lost hmm. right so basically what happens is there is a curtain now which has been drawn between the patients and the caregivers right and both are aware about each but uh, each uh, of things right each of the sides actually but they, none of them wants to withdraw that curtain mm. right that is the thing so there should not be any curtain be very frank be open to each other so that the person patient and the caregiver as well they feel that yes person understands you if you are not feeling good be open about that if you want to do something be open about that never feel burden of being burdening the spouse or children or let's say family members right you are not burdening anybody if anybody is doing something for you it is because they love you not because it is their uh, let's say duty or a responsibility it is all out of love they are doing else anybody can withdraw from their duty and responsibilities it is not a mandate for them to do anything for you right then obviously uh, timely visits to your clinicians and psychologists other than that also go for go and spend some daily time for your uh, hobbies let's say right mm-hmm. there are usually there are some activities we always want to do since our own childhood but we never got the time to do that try to scrape those things out mm-hmm. and involve yourself into things mm-hmm. the motto is majorly to keep yourself happy if you keep yourself happy you are healthy from your brain right which will release good uh, let's say hormones in your body and nice neurotransmitters if are released obviously your body is going to perform well right so for that the key is positive attitude happy mind healthy mind leads to healthy body and yes maintain one good bond amongst yourself never let that bond go away these are the things right no thank you so much you know dr harsha not just for you know all your time but also for everything that you do to you know make a difference every day i really appreciate you know you being here you sharing all your insights and i'm sure this can be really helpful to people to sort of reimagine what cancer care has to look like as well and lastly for anyone who's watching this or listening to this right now please know that you know if you are having a hard time with your mental health you don't have to go through this alone there is help out there it gets better so please reach out and you know hold on to that hope so till next time please stay well and stay healthy thank you